Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we are joined by Lisa Ryan, founder and chief appreciation strategist of Gratigy, a speaking and consulting agency. A native of Cleveland, Ohio, Lisa is an engagement expert, best-selling author, and award-winning speaker who brings more than 20 years of experience to her clients and audiences. With a focus on workplace strategy, employee engagement, and gratitude strategies for both personal and professional transformation, Lisa helps organizations develop skills and tools for keeping their top talent and is focused on principles for building emotional connections between organizations and their employees. She launched Strategy in 2010 and is a best-selling author of 11 books, including Thank You Very Much, Gratitude Strategies to Create a Workplace Culture That Rocks. She's also host of the Manufacturers Network podcast and is the former president of the National Speakers Association, Ohio Chapter. Look, we're at an interesting point in the makeup of our workplace right now. As, as many as five generations of workers, silent generation, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are all participating members of the workforce. So when looking at retention, what's making them stay? And are all five generations looking for the same thing? So Lisa's going to help us dive into that, but let's get her introduced first. So Lisa, welcome to the HR Works podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and to have this conversation. Well, fantastic. It's great to have you on. I'm excited to get you introduced to our audience here of HR Works listeners and viewers of the HR Works live podcast. So why don't we start there, Lisa, and just share a bit of your background and really what led you to pursuing a career focused on engagement, workplace culture, and supporting the growth of other people's careers? You know, I have been speaking as part of my career since the late 90s. I actually started my career as an executive recruiter, probably one of the few people on the planet who can actually say that they sold their mother. Uh, Mom actually hated the job that I placed her in, but I said, Mom, you've got to stay there at least 90 days because I have a guarantee and I can't afford to give back the commission I made on you. Thankfully, Mom was there for two and a half years. She didn't disown me. From there, I went into industrial sales for 13 years, and then I spent uh, the last seven of it in healthcare. But throughout my career, I always spoke. When I was in the welding industry, I did oxyacetylene safety seminars. I was also their corporate computer trainer. When I was in healthcare, I did more than 500 continuing education programs on exciting topics like double gloving, hand hygiene, occupational asthma, and latex allergies. And then on October 12, 2010, When my medical sales position was eliminated via group conference call with 12 of us getting canned at the same time, I basically said, "Um, yeah, I don't really want any company to ever do that to me again. So I (laughs) I started my business on that day. But the interesting thing was about a year before that, in 2009, I had started a gratitude practice. I had started it with some friends and I saw this, it was just this miracles that were going on in my life because I was taking the time to look for the good. So I had always thought about being a professional speaker, but I didn't know what I wanted to speak on. I mean, I had been in sales, but I didn't want to do that. And I had done some network marketing and I wasn't drawn to that. And when I went through this gratitude 
process that I still do to this day, keeping a gratitude journal and everything like that. I knew to the core of my being, this was supposed to be the message that I brought to the world. So it tied really well into employee engagement because when employees feel valued and appreciated and they're making a difference in the business, they're more likely to stay. But the best part is, is that it's also personal because it doesn't just work in the workplace. It, it lets them have better relationship with their kids and their spouse and everybody else. So in my programs, I, I've seen that people take both sides of it. They get the personal benefits the lack of stress, the better sleep, the better immune system, the stronger heart, everything that goes along with finding the good, no matter what's going on, and then taking that to the workplace. And I'll tell you, if I did not have this practice for you know as many years as I've been doing it, frankly, I don't know how I would have gotten through the pandemic. It has tied into everything. But when you have a really great business one day, And then over the next several weeks, it just disappears one event at a time. You rewire your brain. And that's exactly what gratitude does is it rewires your brain to look for the good, even when the world is crashing down around you. So in this new world that we're in right now, post pandemic, everybody's trying to figure out, are we going to the office? Are we working remote? Are we, you know, what are we doing and how do we connect with people and how do we make up for the time that we lost? You know, how do we get back to those basic functions of connection? That is fantastic. Thank you for that background. What an interesting journey, Lisa, to share with us, where again, you had firsthand experience in the workforce and really saw what mattered to you and found that passion and really have pursued that passion now that's carried you through this great career where you've now been able to help other professionals on their journey and connecting. I love what you said too about how the work you're doing with Gratitude really helped you through the pandemic, such a challenging time where connection matters and you're providing professionals and organizations with the tools to make those connections with their teams, which can only improve workplace culture, which that is so top of mind right now and plays such a crucial role in retention and turnover that we're talking about here as part of this HR Now event. Right, exactly. Well, you look at it and with most businesses, we would fear that they would leave us to go to another competitor down the street. But now they're driving for Uber, they're delivering for DoorDash, they're working at Amazon. They're doing different things than ever before. So when we find those great employees, it's just really important to create the type of workplace culture that makes us an employer of choice and makes them want to stay with us. Yes. It's all about making great talent want to stay, feeling appreciated, feeling like there is gratitude and creating that great experience. And it starts with leadership teams with HR leaders who can make a great impact here. So your audience is perfect for that, uh, for paying it forward. And, and again, we actually, at the end of this podcast, we'll bring in a question about paying it forward, but that's what you do at the core of, of your business. So I love it, Lisa. It's great to have you on to dig into that one. So why don't we dig into the topic I had teed up at the start, this interesting time that we're in in the workplace where we've got five generations that are participating members of the workforce, starting with the silent generation ending with the new Gen Z members that are quickly taking over the workforce here, are they all looking for the same thing? I think that's the best best place to start is what are the expectations of the workplace experience in 2023 for all five of these generations? Are they the same? Are they different? What are you seeing out there, Lisa? Uh, yes and no. 
Because if you look at, and when I do, I have a whole program I do on the generations in the workforce. And I, I like to look at it as I'm an equal opportunity offender because for a while there, there was way too many millennial bashing sessions out there and we're just not going to go there. But if you look at the traditionalists, which there's not a whole bunch of them left because you know the, they're in their 80s right now for the most part, but they really kind of set the tone because they worked to make a living. It's like they stayed at one place their entire life. They retired. They got the gold watch. They got the pension. Baby boomers came in, saw what the traditionalists had had in their career, decided they wanted that just more quickly. So that's why we see the workaholic baby boomers coming through, working, you know, uh, 40, 60, 80, 120 hours a week, being proud of the fact that they hadn't taken a vacation for 15 years. And yet, because the traditionalists were not thanked for doing their job, it was an expectation. The baby boomers are giving their heart and soul to their companies. And then in their 50s and 60s, corporate America is like, eh. Yeah, we don't really need you. We're going to find people who are younger and cheaper than you. So Gen X came in, smallest of the generations, 40 million Gen Xers versus 75 million baby boomers. They came in, saw what corporate America had done to their baby boomer counterparts, said, I don't want that. Uh, I want this thing called work-life balance. And so, and here's the first generation of latchkey kids. They're really independent. You know, when they were downloading and sharing music, okay, they were stealing everything they could get their hands on, but they were teaching companies like Apple the benefits of sharing. But the funny thing is, so they come into the workplace and the boomers were calling them slackers. There's a famous Time Magazine article that has, it's a big pink cover that is calling Gen X slackers. So then millennials come in and this was the generation that remember, they're the offspring of the baby boomers. And so where the baby boomers never got thanked for all the hard work they did, they didn't want their offspring to feel bad about not getting thanked. So this is where we saw the trophy generation and the, you know, giving them access to leadership since they were three years old. You know, my programs, I joke about the fact that my parents would say, we're going on vacation to Florida. And these, it's, it's like, it's your turn to pick where we're going on vacation this year. So they expect that same access to leadership. But here's a group, they have never not known recycling, you know, and they're a little miffed at the boomers for destroying the planet. They are really focused on mission. They are focused on college education, but coming out with a degree they don't know what to do with and hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt that they're trying to figure out how to pay off. And that's another big group, 73 million of the millennials. And now we have Gen Z coming in, who's the largest group of all time, still can't find the exact numbers, but they keep saying largest group of all time. And this group, I mean, they will take you out. They are competitive because they know that they're a huge group, kind of like the, and they're the offspring of Gen Xers, Right. Uh, but they're coming in and they want to make a commitment to a company. They have this, um, uh, this acronym called FIRE, First Invest, Retire Early. So really focused on getting a great career, making a good living, still having the work-life balance, the expectation that we're seeing now, but they also see that there's another side of life to working that the boomers don't. So all want connection. The boomers, when it comes to feeling appreciated, they still want to feel relevant. 
You know, because when you have a boomer walking out the door, that's 20, 30, 40 years of company history, leadership, experience walking out the door. So instead of giving them the illusion of, oh, you're just doing this so some young youngster can come and take my job. No, dude, we want your legacy. Right. You've been with us for 30 years. You know what? We want what you've been doing here to be relevant for the next 30 years. So in the boomers, it's making them feel relevant and also with legacy. Uh, with Gen X, you know, again, they're they're seen as the most cynical. I love the memes on Gen X because they, sorry, they're just such a forgotten. They're so tiny. But again, you know, they are at the prime and they're starting, as boomers are aging out, you know, 10,000 baby boomers retiring a day and Gen X is coming in there. Again, same thing. They want to be able to have that work-life balance that they had before, the flexibility. Remember, this was the generation of the digital pioneers. So they like technology. Uh, millennials, we still want to have those interactions that um, the, the teamwork getting together. So even if you have a remote workforce, still figuring out ways to connect with them. And same thing, Gen Z coming in, who with them being digital natives, and three years of a pandemic where technology has just gotten like stupid simple. I mean, holy cow, can you believe we wouldn't have been doing this three right. years ago, for goodness sake. Yeah, technology has made so much more possible than previous generations would have ever thought of. And it's second nature to the Gen Z population that's growing in the workforce. Right. And what the comment that I hear all the time, and I'm sure this audience does too, is they say, nobody wants to work anymore. We can't find these young generations. They don't want to work. Yes, they do. As a matter of fact, millennials and Gen Z have every bit the work ethic that boomers and Gen Z do, but they do it differently. They see the world differently. And unless we can understand that, I mean, like we, you and I were talking the other day, you know, when I was growing up and in business, we had this thing called an answering machine. You didn't want to get back to somebody for three days. You didn't. Nobody thought anything about it. And now, you know, you as a manager, you're sending your people emails at three o'clock in the morning because, you know, you can't sleep. They're like, holy cow, I got to be. So there's a different level of stress because they believe that they have to be on 24-7. So they're trying to figure out how we would have what this work and life. And there's no mixing. We're working when we're playing. We're playing when we're working. We're trying to figure it out and still have relationships and friendships and, you know, do everything that we can and be able to make the living that pays the bills in hopefully a workforce culture that we like showing up to every day. Yes, I, I love all of this right here, Lisa. This is a great way to get us kicked off. What you mentioned too about just where we are currently, where it's not work-life balance, which the Gen X group was looking for, now it's become work-life blend. Uh, that's yeah. the trend that I'd heard many podcasts ago and love, and really it sticks out and works so perfectly to where we are currently. As you said, we don't have the answering machine anymore that you can put away You've got your workstation attached to your hip at your fingertips on your phone. So there is no turning off. And it's understanding how to work with that access, that technology. And there's different expectations, I think, with the different groups that we see. Gen Z is extremely interesting because they really have no prior experience in office like the previous generations do. The further down the line you go, the less 
experience maybe there is with technology or technology changes over those generations, but then also just that expectation of what in office is. Um, right. Look, I'm, I'm part of the millennial generation and, and spent a bulk of my career being in office, working nine to five. And I'm still learning what flexible work means. The Gen Z group that is now jumping into the workforce, they've spent maybe the last few years of their college careers in a hybrid environment. That's second nature. And the expectation is different there too. Right. Well, and it's no longer a nice to have. It is an expectation. And I hear that all the time that you can have it in big red letters on your job site, on your online. This is an on-site position. And people still fill it out and go, well, I live in New York and I know the positions in Boston, but I just think I can work from home, right? Did you not read the ad? Right. (laughs) Well, and we figured out that working fully remote versus hybrid versus in office, that's a great way for teams to define their culture. And what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the others. But it is interesting to see that with Gen Z, it's all they know in many cases is having Mm -hmm. that flexibility. So it's not learning how to become flexible. They just do it naturally. The same with technology. A lot of technology has been accessible and at their fingertips from the start. So it's it's a different expectation, a different comfort level in what the workforce experience looks like. When we think about some things like in manufacturing, for example, where um, flexibility, work from home is not necessarily something that can be done because, you know, people have to show up and actually sure. run the machines. But The other part of flexibility, it's not remote versus on-site, it's choice. It's choice. Maybe we have core hours that you can come in anywhere from 6 to 8 in the morning and you can leave anywhere from 3 to 6 at night, whatever it is. Maybe you shorten to a four-day work week. Maybe you offer split shifts. You know, there's things that we just have to get more creative as we are... um, bringing people in and introducing them to fields that there's not a whole lot of remote opportunities, but we still need those. And what can we automate? Because that's the other thing that automation is a selling tool in itself. I mean, these guys, these people walk into a plan and they're like, Ooh, robot, I want to work here. Right. And when I was in the welding industry, it was literally everything your mother ever warned you about dark, dirty, dangerous, filthy, all of that. And now most of the places when I do plant tours, I mean, they're bright, they're shiny. It's it's just, it's a completely different thing. But most people, when they think of manufacturing, they think dark, dirty, dangerous back from the day versus what it is. So again, changing the conversation, but also changing the way that we're looking at people and at opportunities and at flexibility and asking ourselves questions that we never had to ask before. I think back to the beginning of 2020, and I mean, I would have never woken up one day and say, gee, I wonder what would happen if a worldwide pandemic came and killed the meeting industry for three years. Gee, what would I do with my life? You didn't you have know? that on your bingo card? That wasn't, <laughs> I that never wasn't thought the card. of it. But, the, but that's the thing. These are the questions that we never thought that we'd have to ask in manufacturing. We never thought we'd have, how can we make more, offer our workers more flexibility? Now you figure it out. And I've had clients that have basically said, you know what, we're kind of on an uh, anything goes. As long as there's good communication, we know what's going on. We have the shifts covered. We're going to listen to you and we're going to work with you. And that's what these generations are expecting that level of communication. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. Let's make it work. 
That, that is fantastic. So looking at the different generations, and at least you did a great breakdown of each generation. What are the factors that are keeping each of those generations locked in, engaged, really motivated on the workplace? Well, and a lot of it is really creating that workplace culture where people feel valued and seen. You know, my company is Gratigy, which is gratitude strategy, and it's focusing on catching people in the act of doing things well, you know, being accessible. Because as managers or as HR professionals, you're seen differently in the, the in the office than other colleagues. You know, you walk through the office and you say, hey, Bob, how you doing? How's the wife doing? Bob's like, she actually knows who I am. That's incredible. So we're looking at, you know, just the different levels of connection that we can um, make in the workplace, no matter your level. You know, stay interviews. That's my favorite thing right now. I mean, exit interviews, I've always thought those were great for patterns, but I also think they're a little late. It's like, hey, why are you leaving? But stay interviews and the only, and I've, I've had some of my audience members share how they, they messed up because when you ask your employees, you know, tell me three things you like about working here. Tell me three things that you would change if you were me. What resources do you need? How am I as a manager? Whatever your stay interview questions are, the only response is thank you for sharing. There's no eye rolling. You're not arguing. You're not justifying. Because that's what I had an audience member share with me. He said, yeah, I totally messed it up. You know, I was coming in there doing a state interview, good intentions, trying to get feedback. And then they gave me some feedback and I didn't know what to do with it. And I argued with them and I tried to justify why we were doing what we were doing. It's like, dude, just poker face. Thank you for sharing and take it for what it is. Investing in your people. That's huge. Not only are your younger workers looking for, you know, that expectation because it shows that you value them. But your more tenured employees are too, because boomers and, you know, an older Gen X may not know technology as well as your younger employees do. So investing in them, finding out what they want to learn, having lunch and learns. And it's not just business related. Find out what your people want to learn. Put on a YouTube video. For goodness sake, there's a million hours of YouTube being uploaded every single hour these days. Pick a topic, get your people talking to each other and learning together, and then recognizing excellence. You know, catching them in the act of doing things well and being specific instead of, hey, thanks, great job. It's like, what was so great about it? But instead, if you say, you know what, I really appreciate the fact that you stayed over a half hour so we could get that order shipped, customer was thrilled, it meant a lot to me, thank you. And some people in the audience might be saying, why should I thank that person? They just got time and a half overtime for staying over. It's like, well, because next time you want them to stay over, if you didn't thank them the last time, they're going to be like, I got a hot date, I am out of here. So we just look for um, erring on the side of catching people do things well. Um, one of my favorite studies is was by Marshall Lasada, where he took a look at teams and what he found on a high-performing team, a six-to-one positivity ratio, basically six positives for every one negative. Average-performing team, three-to-one. Three positives for every one negative, that's where your quiet quitters hang out. Those people are at neutral but where your problem children hang out, 
three to one. Wow. They're hearing three times more negatives than positives. How do you think that you are inspiring to do better when all you're doing is focusing on the things that they're doing poorly instead of recognizing them for the good work that they do? You're creating a positive culture, and that's something that can resonate across all generations. That idea of gratitude, of appreciation for what people are putting in, whether you're part of the silent generation or a new Gen Z member of the workforce who's just joined coming out of college, you can all resonate and find purpose in what you're doing when you feel like it's being recognized. Yeah. And that that's a great shared trait there across all the generations. Are there any unique pieces, though, that maybe one generation locks in on and really motivates that the other just doesn't really resonate to? Or, or is it pretty universal? You know what? It's pr- because it's people by people. We like to take the generations and lump them into groups and say that all boomers are like this, all millennials are like this. And yet we look at each person individually. And that's the other thing that we have seen, you know, recently with technology and with everything that we've talked about is we live in an ultra personalization society. You know, it's like you used to go to the store and buy the pair of shoes that was on the rack. And now, I mean, I can go places, I could design my own shoes if I want. Right. So we look at the individual. Now you're going to have some of your, let's call them your crustier tenured employees who have been there and I don't need to be thanked. But you know what? Look for how they like to be thanked. Maybe it's, you know, just talking to them one-on-one. Maybe it's, you know, a, a note. I always like to say that when you tell somebody you appreciate them, you create a beautiful memory. When you write it down, you create a treasure. You're giving people tangible evidence of a job well done. And most people are going to relate to that. So sometimes because maybe you had somebody working for you that they've just never, you know, you're a new manager, um, you're new to a company, and these people are not used to getting thanked. At the beginning, they may not trust it. Ooh, what does she really want? What does he want? I've never been thanked before. Why are they thanking me? I get paid. That's yeah, maybe uncomfortable. Yeah. But we look for, and that's the other thing that I love, love, love is the all about me sheet and that you're finding out from your employees, you know, what is your favorite candy bar? What's your favorite gift card? What's your favorite sport, your hobby? How do you like to be recognized? Do you like to be recognized publicly? Do you not? Because there are, I'm not one of them, um, but there are people that are mortified when they are brought to the front to receive an award. It's like, so we get to know our people and we personalize it. And there's lots of science that we can use behind it. We can use DISC from a communication standpoint. There's different personality assessments out there just so we can start to figure out and and talk to our employees and have those dialogues to find out from them what do you need and how as I'm as your manager how can I help you get that I love that yeah gratitude is universal it's the approach and how you show it that's where you can be personalized and really get to know your employees get to know your people and what works for them what resonates for them right exactly now are different generations looking for different things from their leadership teams And we've got an audience here of HR leaders. Are the different generations of workers expecting different things from their leadership group, from either the C-suite or even their managers? It's an interesting question because I also believe that has changed from where it used to be 
where with the baby boomer generation, it was very autocratic, that there was a very specific way that you did things, a reporting level, if something was going wrong. And that has kind of gotten intermixed now. One thing in particular, I think that we just come from that level of understanding that we can get a general idea of you know, people's belief systems, how they connect, how they work, what their priorities are uh, based approximately on the year they were born and what they were exposed to. But again, it's that um, more individualized approach and then paying attention to people, you know, of, of how they act, what lights them up, what kind of makes them shrink back. And also making sure, especially if you're doing a lot of your meetings remote, that you're finding different ways to communicate with people because left to their own devices, your extroverts are going to take over the world. They're not going to shut up. They're going to just ramrod the introverts over and you're going to miss a lot of that uh, wisdom that is being held back. So again, we just, it comes back to that personalization and that connection, you know, baby boomers, I think as they start to, number one, they you thought that they would just work until they dropped dead in their office. But now after three years of playing with their grandkids, they're like, huh, retirement sounds pretty good. So that level of understanding that maybe we're bringing them in, maybe we're putting them into those mentorship type of roles, figuring out ways to use legacy. I had one of my clients, I thought this was brilliant. Um, it was a, a um, you know, in a manufacturing shop, but they had some of their legacy employees wearing a GoPro camera so that they could capture exactly what it was that they were doing. And then they could figure out, you know, tell me, why did you do this? What did you do this? So that we're capturing that memory. I love that. Um, our priorities have definitely changed when it comes to the life outside of the work. I love that uh, work-life blend because I, that is huge when it comes to just relating to people and, and understanding that it's not work or life, it's both. Yeah, it, it really fits where we are currently as a workforce where you really can't turn it off. It's not something where, again, you switch from working to home life. You're balancing the two, but really they're integrated. I love what you said too about the baby boomer generation who are looking for that appreciation of their institutional knowledge. By finding ways to do that, by bringing in mentorship programs, you mentioned using the GoPro approach. You're, one, not losing that institutional knowledge, but you're showing that it's appreciated, that it's recognized. And that just goes back to the central theme, that appreciation, that gratitude is universal. And it's just different ways to find that with the different generations based on what they're looking for. Well, and I think the other thing that there's that connection, you have somebody that's been there for 20 years since day one, when the company opened their doors. And just kind of sharing those stories, those histories with the newer employees, you know, of why we do what we do, why that got started, what was the first thing, being open to change so things can get better, but having that understanding. And then when you know a little bit about the history of, I had no idea that, you know, it was that event that made that happen. And then what we're doing is we're building connection because we're, we're sharing that that knowledge, that company lore, that history that's more than what we're putting in the annual report. You know, we're actually sharing the people side of the business and what makes our culture unique. You know, every company started for a really good purpose. 
you know, and sometimes that purpose gets lost in the translation as we get so focused on the bottom dollar and, and making money for the company. But, you know, what was the magic behind that, that initial impulse to even start the company and to look for ways to share that knowledge? Yeah. I mean, with any great companies, any success stories, you always hear it's the people that really made them great. And so that's a great way to tap into that resource. And that's something that could be universally appreciated. So yeah, great one there, Lisa. Now, look, we've got a captive audience here on the HR Works podcast of HR professionals. What I love doing as part of our program is giving some takeaways for our audience, something that they can bring into the workforce, into their professional jobs. And again, this is something that Knows at the core of a lot of what you do with strategy. So let's give some tips here. And maybe for our HR professionals, one thing we can start doing immediately to improve retention efforts and create a culture that employees really want to be a part of. And then one thing HR teams should stop doing immediately that may be working against those efforts. Well, from a personal level, I'm just I'm going to start with gratitude first because there's too many times sure. if I start with engagement first, it becomes yet another check mark that HR professionals have to put on the list. So, my very best tip and it's so funny because I've done programs, it'll be an hour program, I'll talk about retention for 55 minutes, I'll talk about gratitude and that foundation for 5 minutes of that, and when I do the what was your biggest takeaway? I'm going to start a gratitude journal. Because if you look at the research behind it, the Greater Good Science Center is probably one of the best places. Dr. Robert Emmons is the world's foremost researcher on gratitude. I believe it was in 2014, he got a $4 million grant to study it. But it's start your day by writing three to five things down that you're grateful for. When you go to the office, how can you incorporate that? Instead of diving right into your meetings, because face it, people, nobody likes meetings. Unless there's food involved, nobody likes meetings. But start out with sharing 30 seconds of good news. It could be personal, could be professional. But we start off with different expectations. We give our employees the opportunities to recognize each other in our meetings. So we look for these little ways to incorporate gratitude, but it definitely starts with us. Um, as far as what they should stop doing, stop using everything as a one-fits-all approach because there's n- there's nothing that fits all. You have a larger company, it gets more and more difficult to get away from that system that you have, but we have to always remember that there is a person on the other side of that equation. And no matter what company policy says, we have to always remember to keep the human in human resources. I love that. Those are both great pieces of advice. Thank you for those, Lisa. Yeah, I think what you said in terms of start doing really resonates. It's putting yourself in the right mindset when you go to work, when you go into the workplace or join that first meeting of the day and really starting off the right way. And if you're in a good place and really have gratitude and are coming in with a positive mindset, that's just going to trickle down throughout the group and create again that positivity that you mentioned earlier made such a big impact. The six to one ratio really rings yeah. true there in, in terms of finding success. So Thank you for that one, Lisa. That's great. So again, we're here with Lisa Ryan, founder and chief appreciation strategist of Gratigy. Lisa, what would you like our audience to know about what you're working on at Gratigy? Is there anything you want to plug? This is a great opportunity. The floor is yours to share how our audience can get in touch with you. Uh, You can visit my website, lisaryanspeaks.com. I have a lot of videos. It talks about the different programs that I do that can be 
as a, a keynote, a workshop, a virtual programs. Uh, I'm also prolific on LinkedIn. So I, on LinkedIn, it's Ask Lisa Ryan. Uh, unfortunately, with a name like Lisa Ryan, it's really hard to be consistent in your so, in your social media. So, um, so LinkedIn, and I regularly post articles there. You can always reach out to me, but those would be the two best places. I have lots of videos and tip videos and things that I regularly post. So yeah, even with a name like Lisa Ryan, I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, thank you for that, Lisa. And we'll certainly provide links to all of your great touch points through our website on HR Daily Advisor. I also mentioned too that you just recently released a, a book, Thank You Very Much, Gratitude Strategies to Create a Workforce Culture That Rocks. Tell us a bit about that. What's that one cover? Uh, I, I love this book. This is book number 11. And I like writing books the way I li- like to read them, meaning that they're short, they're sweet, they're to the point with this book, you can look at the table of contents and choose a chapter and go there. You want to talk about state interviews, you go there. You want to talk about training employees, training supervisors, you know, mental health in the workplace, safety in the workplace. And then I took four of my guests from my podcast and I featured them and what they were doing in the book. So it's just, and the, the foundation of it, the first chapter is that foundation of gratitude. So everything, how I got started, how it works, why gratitude works, but it's just a really nice compilation that you can read it all the way through. If you want to, you just, it's not necessary. You go, it's one of those books, you pick it up when you need a little triage. Ooh, I need this now and work it. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing some info on that one, Lisa. Again, we'll provide some information on that through our site. But again, workplace culture is so top of mind, so crucial for all of us. So that certainly will be a must read for a lot of our audience, I'm sure. Now, Lisa, looking at just your professional career and some of the success that you found, is there any piece of advice that you've leaned on, professional advice that you've received and could pass along to our audience of HR professionals? Think of this as a pay it forward opportunity. Hmm. I think that for me anyway, it's a persistence pays. Okay. Now, when you want something in your life, like I, I know for for um, people that I've been prospecting, if they're if any of them here, they're like, oh yeah, she's not lying. I mean, you don't go away. It's always looking for ways to provide value. There's so many people out there. They'll make you know they want to meet someone or they have a service that they'd like to talk to somebody, and they get a no or they or, or they um, don't get a response, which is more. But it's always like, hire me, hire me, hire me, hire me. Every time you reach out to somebody, it's hire me, hire me, hire me, hire me. It's all about me. So how can you provide value to people? And so you're minimizing the number. You're building those relationships with people. And you're just looking for ways to to connect with them and, and not giving up. I mean, I think that just that um, the persistent... The, the persistence is one thing, but, and it is coming from a true heart of, I want to be of service to you. I'd love to sell you my services, but it's more important that we build a relationship. And with some, some of my clients over the years, by the time we actually work together, because it's been so long since I've been calling on them, it's like, it feels like we know each other. It's like, we're hugging sure. five minutes after we, hello, it's so fun, nice to finally meet you. But that's what happens 
when you come from a place of service in whatever role you have, whether you're taking care of your employees, what resources do you need? How can I better serve you? What do you need in the company here? You know, to um, candidates that you're coming in, you know, this is what we have. What are you looking for? How can we be your employer of choice? So instead of trying to sell somebody, look for ways to add value. Yeah. And that's creating that positive connection. Persistence pays though. I love that. That's a really yeah. good one. Now, Lisa, you spend so much time committed to inspiring other people. What gets you inspired? You know, I actually have a, um, I mean, I, I do a lot. I still keep my gratitude journal. I'm an avid reader. I love reading. I have an app on my phone that every day at eight o'clock in the morning, it, it's a gratitude 365 and it gives a gratitude prompt where you just, you know, kind of think about it and write down three amazing things that happened today. So I think that that keeping those practices. But then the other thing that has really helped this year is because of the pandemic and my husband and I spent a lot of time in our backyard and we have a real, we had a nice backyard, but after a year of planning and saving and watching my husband put together designs on foam board to scale with things that he was moving around complete with like his little grill that he cut out on foam board we now have my dream backyard and I love sitting in my office. I do most of my work here, but if it's a day where I don't have to be on camera, I will tell you, I am sitting out my backyard. A lot of people don't agree with me, but my very favorite nature sound is cicadas. So when I'm sitting in my backyard, listening to the roar of the cicadas, uh, it just, it fills my soul. That is so um, good. <laughs> that is so good. As a as a homeowner myself, uh, I'm jealous of your dream backyard. I'm on my journey of building that same dream backyard, and I feel like there's a long way to go, but I'm glad you got there. So congrats, but thank you for sharing that one, Lisa. Now, Lisa, before we get going here, just for our HR audience, what are you excited about in the HR and the people operations space? Is there anything going on that's really top of mind for you? You know, it's just been interesting for me to see as the acceptance of technology is really coming to fruition. You know, AI is everywhere. I'm a huge fan of AI. And a lot of times it's just to, you know, if I'm trying to write an article and I'm looking at a blank piece of paper, I now can get that start. You know, I'm not putting anything out there that's 100% AI, but it's just, it's nice to have the access to tools that, you know, we would have had to bring on all kinds of people for, before and just getting back to the specifics of, you know, you're writing a letter. I actually had this for, for one of the associations that I'm on the board to, and she had to write some uh, difficult letters to people. And I said, well, you know, write what you want and then, you know, put that in ChatGPT and say, here, write it so it sounds better. And the letter comes back and she was floored because she had never used it before. But I think taking some of that, the opportunity to not have to be all that and do everything all at once of looking at the technology that's out there. I know there's some people that still don't agree with it. They, they fight it. They, you know, um, uh, are uncomfortable with it, but it's here, baby. And so when we look for ways that, that using technology in all of its beautiful, wonderful forms, 
uh, we will have more time to connect with the people instead of being so focused on the job itself. Oh, that, that's great. And absolutely. It, it's a divisive topic for sure. But I think as more people understand how to use AI technology, especially as a tool, uh, it's, yeah. it's going to really open up a lot of possibilities. As you said, it's an idea generator, which can be great. And that's certainly a, a way that I look at it. Um, instead of having to be creative now on the spot, you can really right. use it to help get the creative juices going. Um, and and it, have it be used as a tool instead of a crutch. So yeah, that's great. Again, certainly something we'll be paying close attention to, not just in the people space, in the, in the workplace. Um, and we'll certainly see as bringing it back to generations, as the younger generations become more comfortable with using AI, that it probably becomes more integrated into the workplace. And, and we'll figure that out as we go. Certainly an exciting time, something that I'm glad you're looking at. I'm certainly looking at that as well. I'm sure our audience out there is is too. But uh, thank you for sharing that one, Lisa. Sure. Look, this was a great conversation. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up here, but I do want to thank our great guest today, Lisa Ryan, Gratigy's founder and chief appreciation strategist for joining us today, being a part of this special HR Works podcast live experience. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing just such great insight with us today. The information that you shared with our audience was awesome. I'm sure they really will all enjoy it. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.